0: What's up, fellas? Uh, Hopefully everyone's having a good week so far. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed our first uh, episode of the week. Uh, We're excited about this second episode. Uh, You guys can check out everything else we're doing, other than just the podcast episodes over at runthepower.com. Just like last year, uh, we are going to have now our second annual RTP Summit. We're going to have 10 coaches Uh, You guys can see it for free if you guys watch it live, and it is coming up uh, at the very last week of February, Monday through Friday, the last week in February. We'll be giving you guys more details on that the sooner it it gets here. uh, We've already got all the coaches uh, lined up and and knocked out for who's going to be in it. We're really excited. We've got a great bunch of coaches, and we're going to get – all of that information to you guys soon, but know that it's in the works and we're really, really excited about pushing that out to you guys again uh, for even more free content. So you guys can uh, be on the lookout for that and everything else we're doing over at run thepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our guys over at just play. The team at just play hooked us up with their product. As you guys know, and it's been a game changer for us. We love the playbook tools, allow us to create our favorite bro- blocking schemes uh, obviously you guys know plays like power counter inside zone, pin and pull, and even some wide zone for us this year uh, and formation. So we can save time and be more productive, which is what it's all about, especially in the off season. Uh, they have a limited time offer for RTP listeners. Only get my just play pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended, but won't last forever. Um, so get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com. Slash RTP, the best playbook tool on the market at justplaysolutions.com. Slash RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Marvin Nash. Coach Nash is the running backs coach and recruiting coordinator at Eaton High School in Hazlitt, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Nash about his path to coaching football his iCoach podcast that he administers, and his insight for coaching running backs and doing the most you can for your players in college football recruiting cycles. You can follow Coach Nash on Twitter at iCoachNash. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: So I started playing ball uh, right around fifth grade, man. When I started playing football, I was awful. I was absolutely terrible. Uh, I was somewhere between a running back and and an offensive lineman. I didn't know which. I was too slow and not big enough to do either one, but I knew I loved the game. Uh, So as I uh, hit a growth spurt around eighth grade, I went to a really small school, uh, New Waverly High School, uh, here in Texas, in southeast Texas. Uh, We had about 800 people in the whole town. So uh, a small school ball, I loved every bit of it, but I became huge. I was, uh, I was about six one, about 200 pounds uh, as a freshman. and uh, So playing ball there was great for me. It, got, it afforded me the opportunity to go to Austin College and play football, uh, also in academic school. So uh, at Austin College, I came in as a safety, and as I gained weight and got a little bit bigger, my position slowly started to change. I went from safety the outside linebacker to finally an inside linebacker at about 240. And uh, and playing ball, man, it was uh, was everything for me. It gave me the opportunity to uh, compete on a daily basis. Uh, I was missing some things in my life, and uh, and the guidance of my coaches kind of put me in a position to to be successful. And so uh, as far as playing days, that's where it began for me. Um, I guess hopping into what led me into coaching is a totally different story. Uh, going to Austin College, uh, I followed my, my dreams of making a lot of money and became a certified financial planner. Uh, I did that for about six months before I was hating life. Uh, I knew I had to get back <laughs> on, on a of codes. Uh Man, there's nothing worse than sitting inside a cubicle and wishing you could actually get some fresh air and then help uh, helping rich people get richer. I mean, it, it, it was everything bad that you can imagine is, is how I felt doing that. So I uh, I got out of that as soon as I could and picked up a job at this up and coming program in North Texas. Uh, a coach by the name of John Walsh uh, had started the program Dyer High School in Denton. And, didn't. Mm-hmm. and it, I, when I went in the interview, I said, So, coach, how are we going to be? He said, I don't know. I think we'll be decent this year. Um, and so I was a middle school coach, just doing what I could to help out. But uh, the first year, they were 0 and 10 uh, with no seniors. Uh, first varsity year was 1 and 9. Um, and just luck of the draw, man. Uh, I get there, and we, uh, we we helped the high school program go to the state semifinals. And as we all know now, I mean, it's, I guess, 14 years later, uh, perennial finalists in the semifinals or state finals, two state championships, and just a fantastic program. So I couldn't have asked for a better mentor. <clears throat> I know uh, for me now, I've, uh, I, left, I left that program. I went to Frisco ISD. Uh, where I, I kind of followed my dream to be an offensive coordinator. I, I got some opportunities to help with the offense there and then became an offensive coordinator at Crosby High School. Uh, and it brings me now to where I am at Eaton High School as a recruiting coordinator. Uh, I help with the run game, and I'm the running backs coach.
0: That's, um, uh, so, so you're, you're from, Would you say, Waverly. Is that, That's just a little bit of uh, New Waverly. Is that just a little bit north of Houston?
1: That is, absolutely.
0: Okay. Uh, so there's the big... There's the big statue of um, Sam Houston. Are you north of that or south of that?
1: We are just south of that.
0: Oh, okay. All right. I, <laughs> always, I always pass that. So I, I've kind of got an idea then where that is.
1: Yes, it's, uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. If you, uh, if you blink, you miss it completely. <laughs>
0: but, but some awesome, I mean, an awesome place to live around that area. I mean, I lived smack dab in the middle of Houston. So uh, a little bit different, but uh, the cool part about Houston is you get out in some of the the outskirts of Houston and it can be, you can be living in the big fourth largest city in the world or in the country. uh, And then you can go drive 30 minutes, an hour off and you're, you're in country. So it's, yes. it's and then drive an hour the other way and you're at the beach. Uh
1: huh. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I'm a Houston guy by heart. That's, uh, that's where all my family is right now. And I love everything about it, man. I love the piney woods. Uh, you know, like you said, one, one area you're in the woods next an hour away, you're at the beach and the humidity, the mosquitoes, everything. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's great. Well, well coach. So, uh, you decided to go with this, this other coach that uh, and and help with his you know middle school program and or his younger kids and, and he's just starting off uh, a completely new program. What was what was those first few years like? What was the, all that like? Just you know developing and building a whole new program out of uh, you know from scratch.
1: Oh man, it was awesome. Um, I guess the big thing with Coach Walsh, he's a very charismatic guy. I don't know if you've ever got a chance to talk to him. Uh, but he uh, he has a way of saying something that you instantly buy in. You instantly instantly believe everything he has to say. He's probably one of my biggest mentors uh, in the in in my career, with, without a doubt. Uh, but the opportunity to be hands on and work with these young kids and get them ready for what what to expect in high school is just amazing. And the big thing about Coach Walsh is that he treated his middle school staff just like his high school staff. So. Um, A lot of coaches, especially in Texas, know about Christmas in July, where you you come in for meetings and all of a sudden you have a few game polos, the jackets, the hats. Well, Coach Walsh made sure his middle school staff had everything that the high school staff did. So we felt like a a big part of everything. So one thing I think uh, advice to young coaches, man, if you're about to to enter this thing, don't be afraid to hop in the middle school ranks because you learn so much from from the, the high school coaches.
2: Yeah, I love I love that advice. I I think there's so many guys that you know want to get on the the fast track, and and sometimes it's, you know, be careful what you wish for. You know, all of a sudden now you you become a coordinator, and you find out you find out really quick what you don't know, and and now the stakes are a little bit higher. Whereas, I think you know if you do get some of that middle school work under your belt, some of that freshman work under your belt, and you get some practice calling plays, you start to really find out you know how important it is to to match guys up and and understanding what kids can do and what kids can't do. And then I know Coach Harper's talked about it a lot when you coach youth kids, even, you know, really having to not really dumb down what you're doing, but really, really get it, strip it down to its bare bones and basics. You know, and I think that the more you can do that, it's going to make you a better coach. And it doesn't matter what level you coach at after that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the biggest thing about for me, I, I still remember to this day, uh you don't know what you don't know you're just you're out there and you think you're gung ho and ready to go after it until you're stumped by a situation or a call that should be made and uh, that, that experience is invaluable because the, the stakes aren't quite as high
0: coach what has being a coordinator and and now working uh as a as a position coach but for a while you were a coordinator how has that helped you um be a better assistant knowing kind of you know what a coordinator wants or what he needs from his assistants? Has that helped you become a better assistant coach?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I was lucky as an offensive coordinator to have great assistants, Uh, but when I look back on it, before I became a coordinator, I probably wasn't the best assistant in the world. I always thought I had these world-changing ideas, uh, but I feel like I was lacking. Uh, I think now, as being an assistant coach, I know what a coordinator is looking for. I know where they need help with. I know where you can lighten the load. And, uh, and being that guy, that go-to guy for my offensive coordinator is huge. I, I think it's uh, it's the biggest compliment I can give to a great guy that I work for, Josh Strickland. Uh, he's he's a genius when it comes to game planning, a genius to, in play calling. And uh, if I can assist in any way, if I can see something that he might have missed or if I can give him some advice from what I'm seeing from my perspective – Uh, it's invaluable. Uh, The other big part is picking up the load and practice planning because uh, being a coordinator is great. Uh, You're you're calling plays on Friday nights. You're you're making all the big calls that you have to make, but we have to put that stuff into action during the week. And so if any time I can help script in the inside period, the team period uh, during any of our game planning, if I can help make the practice run a little bit smoother, that just helps him tremendously. And I, I know I needed that as a coordinator, so I try to give that to him every single chance I can.
0: You mentioned that. That was one of the, the best things for me as an assistant coach, is, is even my first year, uh, some of the, the teams that we played that we expected to kind of beat fairly handily. Uh, coach Walls, when he was my offense coordinator, uh, used to let me script inside uh, and, and kind of gave me those reins, especially for those games, and said, here, you script inside, you script what we need. Uh, and it was really clumsy and poorly done at first, I'm sure, uh, but now we've got our a new coordinator in here, and now it's on year five and and he <coughs> excuse me he he lets me uh script inside as well, and now it's kind of uh, you know banging that thing out, and then he gets to go back and look, okay, what are we running inside that's that's what we must like going into the run game this week and so uh it was it was an unbelievably valuable thing for me to see and and for me to really think through the whole structure of a play or reason for running something when I actually had to script uh, inside script for
1: them. Absolutely. One of the biggest advantages to scripting for your offensive coordinator is it allows them the opportunity to coach you as a coach. And so uh, that's one thing that I've always remembered. No matter what, we're never above coaching. Uh, That's a big thing that we try to teach our star kids. You know, you have all the talent in the world, but you're never above coaching. I think the same goes for coaches, man. Uh, we can always be coached up on what to look for, uh, what we may have missed, what we can do better, and it, it just helps the staff in general. Uh, walls,
0: walls. I, I'm curious, uh, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, but what, how do you, how do you give those reins away when, when it still is important? I know it was for some lesser teams and a little bit later on in the year, but still, it's it's important, and and you don't want to miss on some of that stuff. So, uh, how do you, as a coordinator? trust that a, such a young guy can you know he's going to make some mistakes but trust that it's going to be a net positive in the end
2: well I think you know number one with you it was it was one of those deals you know I, I knew that you were going to do a good job with it because it, it meant a lot to you I mean you could just tell in the early conversations we had that you wanted to be great so that was kind of my way to like okay I'm going to give him this I know he's going to do a good job with it and then I, I love I love what coach Nasser just said I was honestly the 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 comment I was going to make was talking about, you know, coaching your coaches. My my favorite part of that harp was when we were done and, and then I could go back to you and I could ask you, you know, and just it's just like a chance for us to all reflect and be like, Hey, so Harper, how did inside run go? And, and allow you to think about it, you to talk about it. And then you'd already, you'd already have like, you know, I, I think I probably could have scripted it this way, or I probably could have changed it that way. Or you'd have questions for me where now it became like a discussion we're actually thinking about it reflecting on it and at the same time we're probably solving a lot of the problems of you know what do we like what do we not like through just that conversation so you know I, I love what coach Nash said there that that was it was done by design because I knew it was going to lead to good conversation when we got done with practice and I, I did all that probably without you knowing that but I, I knew that as the coordinator <laughs>
0: See, so, yeah, see, I mean, to me, that's just a a crazy thought. But I guess that's what what you get when you when you start becoming a coordinator and and you stay like that for a while and and have some faith that everything's going to end up working out for the, for the better and and end up coming out with some good things. And like I said, it it helped me a bunch and and um, you know was was a would be a difficult thing for me to to let loose of those reins, um, Coach Nash. As a coordinator, as an assistant coach, and and it was both of them, and and you look to other guys to to help you out and other coaches, has that ever been a a tough thing for you to do is is try to put some more on their plate so they can grow and and they can do things because, um, you know, whether it's coordinator, then the the offense, the buck stops with you. Or if it's running backs, the buck stops with you. But you you still do want to help coach these other guys and, and help them grow.
1: Absolutely. I know one of my biggest regrets was my first opportunity as an assistant head coach and offensive coordinator that I did not grow my position coaches the way I should have. I I knew the buck stopped with me. I knew you know all the blame was going to go to me if it went, it went south, and so I, I, I did too much, and I tried to take it all on, and it wasn't until much later in the season uh, that we started really, really, really dividing up the work and started uh, giving some some bigger responsibilities to some to some other guys who were eager to do it. And I think it cost us as a team. And I, that's one of my biggest regrets uh, as a coordinator. That's something that I changed in my second opportunity as a coordinator. I, I was I was able to freely give because I knew it was going to come right back because we had hired quality people uh, who wanted to get better. They wanted to work to be the best they could be. And really, we didn't want to hire anybody who whose aspiration wasn't to one day be an offensive coordinator or a head coach. And so when, you, when you're when you doing that and you understand what you're doing and you're coaching your coaches, then you're able to create more leaders. So uh, I felt like I was a horrible leader in the very beginning, but I matured as a coach and, and in turn was able to help other coaches mature.
2: Yeah, that that also hits home, man, because, again, the, the same story. I think, you know, and I would say, you know, practice. Nine times out of ten, you know, when you're a young coach, you you have all the answers, you know, just like when we're you, we're working with teenagers in the classroom, you know, they don't they don't want to listen to the advice either. So I think, you know, our 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 stupidity in our youth leads to that that wisdom when we get, you know, later on because we've made so many mistakes. And I think, you know, that that's the the biggest thing that, you know, I, I hear you saying, coach, and I've say the same thing is, you know, admit those mistakes. And then at the same time, learn from them. And then when you move forward, it makes you a lot better person. It makes you a heck of a lot better coach. I know that.
0: Well, Coach, now, now you're going over and, and, and you're the recruiting coordinator and, and running backs coach in, in both really, really interesting spots. So you know, I'd like to kind of start away from the field. I think it's awesome. And, and we get to do it at some places in Oklahoma as well, but um, it, at my school anyways. But uh, especially a lot of the big schools in Texas that I see, all have a recruiting coordinator. And, and um, I think such an unbelievable thing that a, that a school can do for these kids um, because they do have huddle. And, and I think that if you're good enough and, and you've got huddle and send it out, you're going to be found. But um, just that added extra help for some of these guys that might be on the cusp or some of these guys that might get lost or might get, you know, whatever, or have nobody they can ask questions to, having a dedicated guy on staff uh, for after the season, and, and I know a lot of work goes in during the season as well uh, to help these kids out. What are some things that you do for uh, your athletes and, and with your communications with colleges and, and with their highlights and different things that uh, maybe some other coaches could steal from you to help get their kids' names out?
1: Absolutely. Um, I know for me, The biggest thing is that it allows me to get to know our kids a little better. Uh, So I sit down and have a one-on-one interview with every kid, uh, with every senior, for sure. If they have any interest in playing football, I don't care if it's uh, JUCO through D1 through Power 5. If they have an interest in playing, we're going to sit down and go through a a thorough uh, worksheet so I can understand what their goals are ultimately. we also meet with our juniors and our sophomores. Uh, we don't meet with our freshmen right away. Uh, we, we work up to that as a as spring ball rolls around for them and they're technically sophomores. Uh, but the biggest thing is we have to find an individualized plan. I know uh, I'm also a special ed inclusion teacher and we always work with individualized plans for each student to make sure that they're getting what they need. Uh, I do that, I use that same approach in recruiting. and it's, it's, it's worked hand over fist for us as far as getting the interest from the correct colleges. Uh, The second thing I do from that is I've accumulated a database from coaching clinics, from AFCA, from Texas High School Coaches Association uh, of me just walking up to different college coaches, introducing myself and exchanging numbers. And then from that point, I just keep in constant contact and I build a personal database based upon that. And then I also just get on the internet and I'll just look up their numbers and look up their emails. And before the season even starts, I've probably sent about 1,200 to 1,300 emails on behalf of our upcoming seniors and then some of our recruitable juniors that are early. And it's hours and hours and hours of work. And sometimes you don't get a response. Uh, most of the time you don't get a response in, until coaches are a, actually able to get around to talking to you. Uh, but it pays dividends when, it, when a kid earns a scholarship. Uh, I think the real work that goes into it is not even getting the colleges to notice them. It's making sure our kids are ready when the colleges do notice them. So that goes to helping them sign up for FAFSA to uh, SAT, ACT, NCAA Clearinghouse. There's all these steps that uh, nobody sees when a kid posts on Twitter, I'm blessed to receive an offer from, that actually gets them to sign that offer and go to college and then ultimately graduate. That's our plan. That's what's going to happen.
0: That's, a, that's a, you know, a, a great thing to talk about because it's something that you don't think about as much, like you said, uh, and, and getting those kids prepared. And is that something that, you know, you guys have like a, a, a workshop or a, um, uh, some big meeting that you go over just recruiting? Um, do, do you, is that something that's individualized or how does that work to, to try to get all those kids where they need to be with that?
1: We start with a general meeting uh, it's with the head coach, Ellis Miller, and I. We have, During the summer, we have our parent meeting to introduce the season and introduce our fall camp, and then followed up behind uh, with a recruiting meeting. After we have that big recruiting meeting, I basically all I do is talk about the top five things that you didn't know that you need to know for college recruiting, because everybody knows film and everybody knows offers. Everybody Everybody understands that part, but it's the things that we don't know. That we try to get that information conveyed out to all parents and all students, and then throughout the year, it's it's nonstop from uh, from preseason up until now. I'm I'm in my second sport, but every night I, I'm following up, especially with with the first signing day coming up. I'm making sure that we get college coaches stopping by with this active period where they can stop in and talk to us and uh, just reaching out with nonstop my, my wife gets a little annoyed sometimes I don't put my phone down but it's a it's a critical time right now for a young man's wife and I, I've got to be available if they need
2: it. Coach have you seen you know your your kids have you kind of helped open up a, a lot of doors for them I know sometimes you know if it, obviously if you got a you know an offer from Clemson or you got an offer from USC you're probably a little bit more willing to, to travel further from home you know I always thought it was a little bit more difficult you know now a kid gets you know, say it's an NAIA, a D3. I know a, lo- a lot of the teams, you know, playing football up up north, you know, love to recruit Texas. You know, how do you kind of open up a lot of those kids' eyes to, you know, a bunch of these other schools that that are, you know, maybe in some of the colder climates and they're further, you know, drive away from Texas, but uh, but kind of opening them up to, you know, what? Hey, man, it's it's going to be a, a a cool new experience for you.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I guess the big thing, the, the big misconception with, uh, with our kids, I, I sound like an old man now, but kids these days, uh, they only think that it's D1 or bus, And, you know, they're willing to travel if you're going to USC because who, 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 who wouldn't go to Southern California? But when it's, uh, when it's like Wisconsin Lutheran or uh, Mount Union or whoever stops by to talk to us about a, an opportunity for a young man, uh, what I always try to redirect our kids' attention to is what they said they wanted. And that goes back to our individual meetings. Uh, with motivation, a big thing for me with motivation is I have to know what you want. I can't make you want what I want. I need to know what you want. And if you said that you want to play college football, and it doesn't matter the level. You just want an opportunity. Well, here's the opportunity. Let's talk more about why it's an opportunity. Um, a big thing that I've been, I've, I've been directing attention to is that a lot of our kids, Uh, Even if it's D3, they have academic money, there's grants that come in, and they end up being able to go go to college, play football without having to pay a dime, without having to take out student loans. And that degree, it doesn't say Power Five, it doesn't say Conference Championship, it doesn't say any of that stuff. You're playing football because you love football, but that education you're getting for free. And so that's, uh, that's something that I try to really direct their attention to.
2: Yeah, we had we had one kid at at Broken Arrow. I mean, I I can talk about him and brag on him a little bit, but but Sammy Akem, you know, di- didn't have a lot of of interest locally, and, and Montana was the only place that that ended up offering him. Which I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, across the country, like, geez, you know, yeah, football powerhouse. They've won some FCS championships, but yeah, you know, g- generally in in Oklahoma, not a lot of kids are going to Montana. So I mean you know, he he ends up going up there and ends up, you know, he's, you know, all big sky and, and has a chance probably next year to, to be, you know, an all American if, if he finishes it out. But every time I talk to Sammy, all he can talk about is, you know, man, the people up here are awesome. It's opened up my eyes to so many new things and, and wonderful, you know, opportunities. And now he's got, you know, a, a new girlfriend who's, who's from the North. And I just think, you know, it, it builds so many bridges, you know, when, when kids, you know, do have kind of that closed mind of of where I'm going to go to school. I think you you really miss out on a lot of things, and and the world's a really cool place if you'll just be open to to try some of those things.
1: Absolutely, I, the world is a is a huge place, but it's really not that huge. It's a, it's a small world. So if you make a big network with people from from up north you have no idea where that network is going to branch out to. So if you have an opportunity, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Even if it's out of your comfort zone, that's where great happens. So why not go for it?
0: That's exactly right. Well, Coach, also obviously a running backs coach, and, and that can be uh, something that uh, some guys will look at it and say, you're a really good running backs coach if you've got a Division one running back uh, <laughs> and you're not as good when you don't. But uh, that, that could be said probably for every position uh so what are some of the major key points that that you you've got to get drilled into some of those running backs heads no matter what their skill no matter you know take away the 90 yard runs that that some freak athletes are just going to have and some aren't but what are some things that non-negotiable doesn't matter if you're the worst kid or the best kid at running back these are the things we want to do and i'm going to assume that obviously probably number one is, is ball security but what are some of those things
1: no that's a fantastic assumption uh I think I've said this quote more than a million times in my career, but it's better to have died as a small child than to fumble my football. So we uh, we, we hammer that home daily. Cup the wrist, high and tight, five points of pressure, um, and we we that's an everyday drill. Ball security is everything because your job as a running back is to take care of the football, and no matter what's happening. Anything else can happen around you. The line can miss a block. You can, uh, they can jump off sides and hit you late. Whatever happens, hold the football. That's the number one thing we teach. Uh, the other thing for me is I am a conceptual teacher. So if we're teaching the inside zone concept, we're going to know the inside zone concept against every front possible and where the cutback lanes appear and what happens with slants. And we look at different blitz packages and we dissect every run play to how it's going to work that week. And so our film study is long. It's intense. But you're going to be prepared when we hit the field. And I, I'm I'm very proud of the, the young – I have a stable of running backs this year. Uh, all juniors, the young guys that were coming off of our, our second JV team uh, hadn't played a varsity down yet. And one of them went for nearly 1,000 yards. He had one game where he went for 240 in a big district game, uh, scored two major touchdowns that gave us a big win this year. Uh, and the other came in to spell him. And he was close to about 700 yards this year. So for, a, you know, not a predominantly run team, we did a great job in the backfield identifying the fronts we were going against. Uh, And also if I start with ball security and if I go scheme next, the next thing is acceleration and finishing your runs. So we'll we'll never ease up. We always finish our runs, even if we're going out of bounds. Uh, I've, been encouraged by our kids almost getting flagged for unnecessary roughness with the ball in their hands. I like them finishing the finishing of That's awesome. I, football is a is a is a is a violent sport. So it's better to be the aggressor than the, than to take the aggression. So that's what I'd like to teach, and that's what I love to see from our guys.
2: Coach, what are some things you do when you talk about that third coaching point? You know, you're talking about you know accelerating into contact and finishing your runs or. Are there some things that you do, you know, as, as either a, a cue uh, or, or some things that maybe you're, you're drilling or some things you're teaching in film? Because I think, you know, sometimes you see a lot of those running backs. I used to call it heel up. You know, they kind of stop to make their cut. You know, how, how do you get those guys to, you know, to accelerate and have that little extra burst through contact?
1: Uh, I'm an old-school proponent of the blaster. We use the blaster for everything. So every footwork drill we do, uh, whether it be jump cuts, we're going to finish through the blaster. And I'm usually standing with a a huge stand-up cigar dummy, finishing them off one one good time to make sure the ball is secure. Uh, But be used to contact. Be used to running through contact. Um, Also, another big thing that we've uh, we've done lately is uh, we'll use our blocking drills through the blaster, so I'll, I'll st- have a full stand-up dummy, and let's say we're the second puller on counter uh, for a QB counter, something like that, we're, we're a lead blocker, or, or we're kicking out on power, uh, we use those same steps, and we're accelerating through that blaster, so it gives a, a, additional resistance, forces us to keep our feet going, or, uh, or it's not going to feel very good, so we, uh, our, our guys, over time, they adapt to uh, contact and, and learn to embrace it instead of avoiding.
0: Coach, I'm kind of curious. So, so we kind of first heard about you and, and saw you through Twitter and, and we started following each other. And, and um, you know, you obviously have the, the Twitter handle of the iCoach and, and I know you kind of have your own podcast. So what, what got you into uh, deciding to roll out w- with a podcast and, and uh, what was the idea behind that? How has that been working? And, and um, you know, what was, what was, like I said, the, the idea behind rolling with that with a football podcast?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, first, I mean, kudos to you, you guys because a podcast is a lot of work. It was, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was not quite prepared for how much work it was going to be, but I said, you know what, we're going to go for it. Uh, but the whole idea behind the I coach podcast was to be a voice for coaches, uh, who that new person, some, some that I knew personally, just to kind of give their story of why, uh, just like I ask our kids when they're being recruited or want to be motivated, what's your why? That's what I wanted to know from our coaches. Uh, I knew what my why was. I shared that in my first episode. Uh, And it was just the the tremendous amount of coaches who who stepped in and filled the gap for a guy coming from a a single-family household uh, whose mom got sick with cancer while he was in high school just trying to to, to make it through, you know. And and it was that coaches are so much more than uh, just on the field game and scheme teachers. They're, they're counselors. Uh, and, and sometimes in, in extreme cases like mine, they were they were second dads to me. So I wanted to know why some of our coaches, uh, some I knew personally, some I had no idea who they were. I just liked the way uh, they approached the game and approached their calling. Uh, I want to know why. Why did they want to do what they wanted to do? And it's uh, it's blown up a bit for me. I have four episodes out now, and I have seven more that I had to put on hold till the season was over. So those will be dropping in January on a weekly basis uh, before I start season two. So I'm, I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a I mean a great concept, a great you know idea uh, behind it. Um, you know, and and it's a it's an unbelievably important question. Like you said, that's that's what you ask your kids and your coaches and. And uh, everybody, you know, why – what's your why behind being out here and, and doing this because it's – it's uh, it's not easy at times.
1: Yes, sir. It's uh, it, it very – I mean, most coaches, I'm sure you can agree, guys, that uh, we work long hours. Uh, a lot of times if, if something good happens, all credit goes to our kids, as it should. But if it's something bad happens, uh, the coaches need to get, get gone. You need to get fired. That's terrible. And so, uh, so dealing with, the, with both sides of it, but understanding that we do so much more than just coach a game on the field is, uh, is something that needs to be heard.
2: Yeah, I think, I think being able to get inside the brains of, of coaches and, 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 you know, literally, I think to hear just kind of the, you know, the, the unfiltered thoughts. You know, I mean, when, when they talk to the media, it's, it's always, you know, most of the time going to be coach speak. I think podcast gives some of these guys, I know when we've had, you know, college guys on, they could kind of, you know, let down their guard a little bit, you know, and, and then not only that, you know, some of the quote, you know, lesser known high school coaches, people that, you know, you know, in Alaska that don't know who the heck we are all of a sudden can hear this, the story of somebody else and everyone can relate to it. And they know, they, they hear that why there's just that instant bond between coaches. And I think that's, what's made this just ridiculous is, how many people you meet through podcasting because you, you share that same passion for coaching kids. You share that same passion for the game. And then now there's all these vehicles out there to where we can connect with people who, you know, 10, 20 years ago, none of this would have even been close to possible.
1: Absolutely, man. That, that's the coolest part for me is I've networked with people we have listened to the podcast over Twitter and we shared ideas and we share drills and we have like the biggest fraternity in the world. It's just guys who share a common goal. We just want to help kids be the best they can be.
2: Yeah. It's, 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 it's miraculous to me really. And like I said, I mean, when you, when you actually do run into these people, you, you, it's literally like you've known each other for your, your whole life. It's like, Hey man, this is like the first time we've ever met face to face in person, you know? (laughs) But they're like, oh, you know, we've been talking to each other for, for how many months? It's just, it's just wild to me every time it happens.
1: Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite times of the year is, uh, is the Texas High School State Championship Games over at uh, AT&T Stadium. And it's, it's amazing. You'll be walking and you'll hear somebody say, Coach Nash, or I'll call somebody else by name. And we've never met, but we know exactly who each other is. And, and again, like it's, it's like we've known each other for years
0: yeah you know you talk about expanding that um uh of who you know and and it does it it does it really really quick um and so yeah it's been it's been a fun thing for us to get to do too and and uh it's cool getting to see uh all and listen to all the other podcasts out there as well because it's just great for football coaches you know give them a voice uh give guys something to listen to when they're when they're in the car or when they're working out uh and they'd love to be, you know, doing whatever, but they need something in their ears, uh, it's been fun. It's been great for us to get to listen to other people as well and, and see all the other podcasts and listen to them. And we branched off of other podcasts and it's just been, it's been really, really cool. And then uh, even, you know, kids are, are listening to it and older people are listening to podcasts and they're like, hey, I didn't know you, you have a podcast. Like, yeah, yeah, kind of, I guess. And then uh, it's kind of just a fun deal to, to see the, what happens from that.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's funny when kids say, "I found your podcast on Apple." I didn't know you were famous. Like, no, kids, I am not famous. <laughs> absolutely, I know. Uh, I know this for a fact that Run the Power is one of my son's favorite podcasts. Uh, and I know you guys are doing something when you got a fourteen-year-old boy who will listen to a bunch of old coaches talk ball. So I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Boy. That that means you got a, a coach ready to go uh, with your son. And so here's hey, I got a question: Is he playing football as well, or going to play football?
1: Yes, he is. He uh, he actually had no interest in football until seventh grade. So we never forced it. I let him play flag in sixth grade, and uh, when he got to seventh grade, he started playing and it kind of helps that he's 6-1 about 170 and have a little bit of a motor on him so you know, <laughs> yes that that's helps a, that's a, that's, a, that's pretty good so he's a he's a DN wide receiver and and just he's loving life right now man so I'm I'm hoping he just continues to stick with it
0: so so my question for you if he does decide to to continue with it and he gets up to the high school level uh is is that something that you would like to be his coach would you like to be on the same staff would you like to be his position coach or would you want to be uh away from it and and doing something maybe at a different school or make sure you're on the other side of the ball what because each each dad's uh, you know quite a bit different from the other with with how they're going to handle that and I'm going to have to probably handle that here in uh <coughs> excuse me here in like uh 10 15 years so uh, I'm trying to get my my mind around it now too
1: Yes, and I tell you this: I've been putting off that conversation for a long time. <laughs> I'm a I'm a very demanding coach, and I I don't want to ruin that father son relationship. But I've uh, I've seen I've been on staffs where the head coach uh, and his son was was a player as well, and just the bond and how quickly they grow together. It seems like it 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 didn't doesn't hurt the relationship at all. And so that's a uh, that's something that I'm leaning towards. It would be a dream of mine to coach, uh, to coach my own kids, but at the same time, I want them to have their own life. I don't want them to be associated and be like, oh, you're Coach Nash's son. No, I just want you to be who you are. and um, That's going to be to be determined. We'll find out here this summer. I guess, uh, <laughs> you or not, it's coming.
2: <laughs> my, my dad, there was no way in heck he was going to coach me. I think he, he knew better. We, we were just pulled too stubborn. So he'd, he'd go to the other side. He probably, he probably could have coached my brother. My brother was a lot more laid back, but even then he did the same thing. He'd, he'd go the opposite direction. Cause I think he knew that, you know, if he came home and he was talking ball and it, you know, it got contentious or whatever, we, we'd kind of go back and forth at it. So he, he knew a little bit better. Now he, he knew me a lot better than than uh, than I knew myself back then. So, he probably made the right move, but it was it was kind of funny. He he just flip flop back and forth.
1: <laughs> yes, which uh, what's kind of funny is that my oldest child is my daughter, and uh, she was my first quarterback. So <laughs> if I, <laughs> if I had it in my way, she'd still be playing for me. But she's a uh, she's a varsity volleyball player now, so she's uh, she's enjoying her own own success. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That, that's, that's to me, kind of the cool part. If, if you are going to be a dad and and the kind of the cool part is to be able to uh, have them around all that as they grow up. I mean, that's one of the coolest things for me right now is I've got a, uh, a you know, a six and a four-year-old and I get to bring them up to football all the time. I mean, they get to come up. We've got a little indoor and we've got our, our practice field, you know, our game field and they get to live there almost and, and, uh it's just an awesome feeling
1: absolutely that's uh that's probably the best part of being a coach is being able to have your kids around and uh then your your school kids get to meet your your home kids and they uh they, they become part of the family it's it's pretty awesome man uh i know for my youngest he pretty much thinks he owns the uh the facility he just hit you right around or whatever he's he's playing football with the guys in the indoor and He's uh he's shooting baskets in the in the gym and he's just at home and you know, I I wouldn't trade it for the world having those guys on the sideline uh, playing in one of the greatest stadiums ever at AT&T Stadium so often and having them right there beside you it's uh, there's nothing like it
2: yeah what what a cool atmosphere to be able to grow up in. I mean you think about it you know coaches obviously used to being around kids and molding kids so I mean when you're able to bring your your own kids around or you know nieces and nephews sons and daughters, I mean, it just almost kind of, like you said, becomes an extended family. And you know they're going to be around, you know, good people who know how to to raise people and know how to raise young people. I mean, I I just think it was, you know, being a coach's kid myself, I I still look back at it and just smile uh, about how
0: lucky I was.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's It's an unbelievable experience.
0: Well, coach, I, I know there's a lot of coaches also uh, in Texas that, um, I don't know if it's a rule or it just almost always happens, but that coaches, uh, you know, a lot of them have or most of them have a second sport. Um, how does that play into your, uh, obviously, I would assume, you know, probably football is your first love as far as sports goes, but then you're you're taking some time away from that to coach another sport, which is unfortunate, but I'm sure it's still, it is nice to get away from it and you you get a chance to uh, be around other kids and help mold other kids. So, uh, what is that, you know, kind of dichotomy like for you, uh, when football season is over and now, you know, you're spending your time, uh, with another sport?
1: You know, it's, it's pretty cool here in Texas. Uh, for the past, I don't know, 12 years or so, my second sport's been track. So, a lot of the same participants in track and field are football players. You know, our, our best skill guys usually run the, the spreads, uh, we have our, our best linemen out, out with the throwers. It's the you know it's, a, it's usually you're with the, your your same group of kids. You also get to reach out to some other kids who are just straight track or whatever the case may be. Uh, but this year, it's uh, it's basketball. So interesting to say the least. That you got the uh, slightly overweight running backs coach coaching basketball. <laughs> but we're uh, <laughs> you know we're we're finding some success. Uh, I'm proud to say my freshman B team is undefeated. So we uh. We're doing a good job right now. We're we're rolling, but it it lets you meet other kids. And you can inspire in any way. You know, at the end of the day, coaching is coaching. And uh, if you can coach, if you can coach kids, then you can coach anything. I think
0: you just got to remember. Tell them, tell them, what my mom told me is: you got five fouls for a reason. If you don't, if you don't use four of them, then you're not playing hard
1: enough. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that, that rule number three for running backs and brace contact. Yeah, we we utilize that a lot. That's that's
0: right,
2: Coach Harp. If they may, if they made you coach another sport, I've never asked you this one. If they made you coach another sport, what would it be?
0: Um, wrestling, probably. I don't, I don't know that I know enough about any of the other sports um to to help with anything. But it would be wrestling or basketball. I think I could get down there and, and foul the crap out of some of those big guys and, make them, and help them finish around the, around the glass. And I think I could make them better at uh, getting rebounds and boxing out. So I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, and, but I think wrestling would be a lot of fun too. Just, uh, but it might be way too hot to do, <laughs> to do wrestling. I think I'd have to go with basketball. Plus it would be um, over fairly quickly. I mean, you go with baseball, you're gone all year.
1: Mm-hmm. absolutely. And, I've and, never had as a second sport, so,
0: yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> and, and I've heard some guys get, um, you know, like girls' soccer and, and um, you know, more power. I'm sure girls' soccer is great and just definitely not something that I, that I would ever want to coach. So uh, if, if I had to, I'm going with, with basketball, and, and I'm sure my guess, well, I don't know, Walls, you're, you, you might be tracked, but I, I know you were a basketball guy.
2: Yeah, I, I was a basketball guy for a long time. I loved coaching basketball, actually. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I think track, track just fits a little bit better with football now. You know, you get a little bit of that winter break in between. You, you kind of roll into to the spring track. and you, you can, Especially now that I coach skill guys again, you can get a lot of those skill guys out for track, and you coach sprinters and jumpers. It just, it just makes it a little bit more sense. See them in a little bit different light.
0: Well, and, and, and make some better football players. I mean, and and I know all the multi-sports do or whatever, but uh, for, I mean, a big time with track, I mean, you're making them a faster person. You're making them stronger, more explosive, uh, higher jumper. All that stuff is going to directly correlate to the football field, and, and it's your guys still that you're working with. And then, uh, to me, probably the coolest part about uh, if you're doing that down in Texas, Coach Nash is, man, the, the Texas relays, I mean – all of it, track is a really, really big deal down in Texas, and, and maybe it is too. Obviously, I think probably in Iowa, walls, uh, you know, but Oklahoma not not that big of a deal. But um, you know, as far as Oklahoma, Texas, Texas is is the place for track.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Texas relays is is an unmatched environment for track without a doubt. Um, I do know this by speaking with a lot of college recruiters; they'll ask the so-and-so uh, play a second sport. And if you mentioned track, they want to hear track times. Uh, they want to see if that correlates with the football field that can really help with recruiting. So I've always been a big proponent of track because, it, you know, it is it helps you with – every sport helps. But track really correlates with football, track and wrestling.
2: Yeah, they, there's so many guys that come through now. I mean, it's it, – they want legit times. I mean, they're, they're looking for the, the fully automatic times. When you're talking skill kids, defenders – you know, any of those guys that, that sprint and they have a, a good sprint time, I mean, literally, it's it's automatic offers nowadays. If the kid, hey, what's the kid running the 100? If he runs 10-8, boom, he's got an offer, you know. If he's a line, if he's a linebacker, you know, he's got some size. Hey, Coach, what's he running the 100? Man, we, we've, he's been timed in 11, 11-1 in the 100. Boom, he's got an offer. So, I mean, it, it's it's like you said, Coach. I mean, guys guys are looking for that baseline speed. How fast are you? and And can you verify that, you know, if it's verified? by a track, fully automatic, game on, you're going to get offered.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, Coach, uh, you know, kind of coming up on an hour now, but um, the thing that I always love to ask guys uh, before we let them go is uh, when you're watching uh, another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Oh,
1: man, it is finishing your block. I love to see somebody throwing somebody out of the club. I love for a pulling guard to uh, finish, a, finish a DB and just take go ahead and take him to the water cooler. If I see that and I'm saying, okay, whoever your O-line coach is, I love that guy. He's doing a great job. Uh, physical O-lines who never stop and can get out and run on DBs are the deadliest of all, of all O-lines, in my opinion.
2: Coach, is it a, is it a rule with your running backs that they've got to go celebrate with the offensive line on a touchdown?
1: Yes, I am not uh, – I'm not with the selfishness. If anything, uh, you better be going to, to buy those guys some pancakes the next morning, especially <laughs> when my young man ran for 237 and two touchdowns off of about 12 carries. O-line was opening up holes all over the place, and every single time, every big run, he didn't do the feed, he seek, sign, he didn't throw the first down, he wouldn't celebrate with his guys. So that is uh, – that's a requirement because as uh, as quickly as you can – take all the credit for the work that they're doing,
2: and that's how, how quick it can end for you. No doubt, man. Coach running backs, that's how I used to always say, you're, you're the honorary uh, sixth offensive lineman, so you gotta, you got to become one with those guys in pass protection. And then, you know, any of those nice runs you have, make sure you're, uh, you're loving up on those guys. And then at the same time, you know, offensive linemen love a good running back because it makes all them look good too. So it's a, it's a, a good mutualistic, symbiotic relationship. Well, coach, man, it's been a blast. I appreciate uh, you coming on, and uh, hopefully, we get a, a chance to come on down through Texas one of these uh, one of these off seasons, and we can go hit up a bunch of you guys that we get a chance to uh,
0: to meet through the uh, the old social media networks. And that's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast staff. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper Underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.